0: You know, we all have mentioned it's, you know, it was an experiment coming out of a pandemic where, you know, you have the choice of are we yeah. just going to wait until someone else says that we can perform or are we going to like, you yeah. know, take basically the no the horns.
1: no promoters or, you know, agents were taking risks on booking tours. So they were just telling us to stay home and and we didn't want to do that. So we did it the first time and it worked so well that we did it again.
0: Yeah, because well, people be-
1: love it. That, like because bands don't do it. Bands don't do intimate concerts where they actually hang out. That you know, they'll do sure they'll do intimate concerts and then peace out, you know. But but it's not like a meet and greet. It's like usually you get a photo and then that's it. But we actually hang out and it's a lot of fun.
2: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and people out there in cyber world? My name is Benny Goodman. I'm here with Corey Paza and Siobhan Cronin. And we have a show called 2020, did this week, we're going to dive right back into the matrix with our good friend, Brock Richards, who, as you'll find out very quickly, um, was a surprise guest for himself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have Brock on uh, my husband, obviously, and uh, a guitarist and star set. So for all the star set fans out there, here's another episode. We're going to talk about coming back from tour and some of the stuff mostly that Brock's been doing since we got back
3: so this is like i i don't know episode probably like number 20 of star set uh fandom for in the past couple months so this it might be the last one for a little while i think we gotta we're gonna move away so 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 soak it in and, and enjoy this chat with the one and only brock richards Hey everyone! Welcome to another episode of Twenty Twenty. My name is Corey Peza here, as always, with uh, Benny and Siobhan. And this week we are joined uh, by—I mean, how many Star Set episodes have we done uh, Uh, in the last like like, couple weeks? But but you get you get one more here with the one and only uh, (laughs) Brock Richards. yeah, it's the third one I've done.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're, he's the great white buffalo, as we like to say. He makes not a Really, I've here. been on here three times. That's true. That's true.
3: He's made <laughs> this it on is the, uh, the unofficial star set podcast at this point. So, uh, can, we, right. can we can we ride some more coattails uh, from Dustin in that way?
2: Can, can sure, we just what? be honest though? Because like we all like have s- crazy stuff going on, and like we don't want to not continue doing this show. So when when in doubt. We're just like, get Brock. He's always fun to talk to. Because Brock is the rare one. Like If you were to collect Brock, if you're trying to get the Monopoly piece before the mafia like fuck that shit up for, for McDonald's to win, Brock's the piece you need because he's the rare one in the Star Set Voltron universe. But because Siobhan's married to him, she's like, Brock, I can't hear my audio. And he comes and fixes shit. We're like, you're the guest. And here we are. You're welcome, Star Set
1: fans. Yeah, I was told this morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was woken up with a nice surprise of you're going to come on the podcast today. So <laughs> that's that's where we're at. But uh, no, I will say, though, we, we just finished our acoustic tour. And uh, after talking to all the people, that's what so many people came up and were like, wow, I really enjoy your podcast. And a lot of people didn't realize they saw maybe just Ron's episodes or the more recent ones. And so I said, no, we've got like the whole group there. So if you want to learn about us, because through the Star Set Media, we don't really, you know, talk about ourselves or like showcase our personalities in terms of like social stuff. So I think it's really cool. I mean, I've learned stuff that I didn't know about all of my bandmates and it's a great platform to talk about it.
3: And it surely is. And uh, all those star set fans that are listening, make sure you like, and subscribe to the podcast. Cause we've got tons of awesome guests. That's not right. Just, we have the insider scoop
0: on star set. <laughs> yeah. Like don't think
3: we won't pander to you. If you guys are the majority and you, you know, you're like Brock's
2: so hot, like we'll get Brock. just ask (laughs) comment below like we never even ask like just comment or like write to us or tell tell people at your local you know news station like brock richards for 2020
0: yeah i think we should yes anyone i would say definitely like send in your comments because that's that i would like to get more feedback on the things that people like to hear about so it's it's cool just having done the acoustic tour that you know people said some of the things they enjoyed and it always informs what we can talk about so
3: yeah, I've been keeping up with some of the like YouTube comments when, when they do come in. It's fun cuz uh, I used to just avoid it as much as possible cuz it was 90% people complaining about Ben, but surprisingly, I think over the past like year, or so I've only seen like one or two of those. So, I don't know if that's uh <laughs> I think a the best sign. part of that
0: statement is that Ben did not even flinch when you said that. He was just like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> well, <laughs> this is I mean, about right? <laughs> I,
2: originally I was doing this for me when we first cuz I was like this is never going to be a thing, but now that like people seem to care, I'm like all right, well, I guess if it's going to be the same people watching every week and they're just going to continue to eviscerate me, I might as well like curtail my <laughs> neurosis so, and let people talk. So Brock, why don't you talk because we've just talked for like ten minutes, and our guest has said nothing. Brock, what's going on with you how How are you feeling? Did the time stop for you on tour like or or was that every day
1: you were engaged <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i'm I'm doing great um. Let's see. Uh, Siobhan woke me up today and made me go to the gym and is now making me do this podcast. <laughs> so basically, I'm running Brock's life no, right now. But I was happy to do it. Yeah, but I'm exhausted from the gym. I'm not super athletic.
0: Um, so. That It would be hard to tell, though, because I mean, when you're on stage, especially in the live show, I would say you are probably the most athletic looking one in terms of movements. Okay, and so stage I would presence. just say I'm
1: physically lazy. I like well, you can have brain, the rock not and not ro- so much my body.
2: You have the rock and roll muscles, which is cool, man, because listen, if you play in a band and you thrash your head every single night and mm-hmm. you're holding a 277 from PRS baritone scale, like you're going to get in better shape. I mean, not necessarily the same way if you go to the gym and like work out each of those beach muscles, but you'll get like the on stage. I could be on heroin or maybe I play guitar in a band look. And
1: Brock <laughs> yeah. has that
2: anyway, since he's an ectomorph.
3: <laughs> but uh <laughs> endomorph ectomorph moving on uh why don't we touch base real quick Because this is the first time we've had to talk since you guys wrapped up the acoustic tour so why don't we just kind of do a little summary of how that all went
0: yeah brock why don't you go what was your experience
1: uh i mean i had a blast i love the acoustic tour so much because it's obviously different than what we normally do uh and we actually get to interact with our fan base and more or less like our core fan base so like the super fans and the people that come to multiple shows they come to like every tour and that's really how a band really latches on for the long haul is just if you have fans that are consistently coming to everything uh so getting to sit and talk to most of those people it was was an awesome experience
0: Yeah. And I will say, I'll jump in and say, I mean, Brock, who is like the soft spoken, doesn't like to elaborate on stuff, was the last man standing talking to everybody every night. And that's I think that's one thing that's great about you is like. He, you invested so much time in talking to people and I like looked on Instagram and you know followed different comments that people people would post pictures and be like oh this was so great I had such a great time and so many people like called Brock out and was in like a positive way saying wow Brock spent so much time with me I felt so special this is awesome and yeah it was cool yeah I yeah. think you inspired I would me I usually
1: turn around and like the bar is empty from like all the band members and I'm like standing there talking to a group of people and so I'm like, where'd everybody go? <laughs>
2: <laughs> is this like the concept that like Ludacris has with that song Hoes in Different Area Codes? You kind of got to put down your 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 funk everywhere. Like you, you comment on things, you spend time with them. And then when you go back, bro, you get your Hoes in Different Area Codes, except in this case, let's take out Ho, same concept, and just put like devoted fan.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, but it is cool because, I mean, you're right. That was a good thing that you said is like, part of the longevity of a band is how engaged you are with different people in your fan base and the people that have been there since the beginning and like supported since early on and a lot of people when we were talking to them commented on oh yeah we go to other vip's or meet and greets and feels kind of like a conveyor belt you go through and they like shove you along a photo line and there's like very minimal interaction so it felt really cool to hear that people actually found a lot of value in it and appreciated it. And they felt more connected to the band and more, I think more likely to continue to show up. And just like in any industry, if you make personal connections with people, they stick with you and, and vice versa, you know, there's just an appreciation there and you, it it changes your experience as a performer too, just knowing who's out there, getting familiar with the people in different cities and stuff. So. That's great. Isn't it
2: great branding though? Because like you guys, like you're like cartoon characters. You know, it's like, oh, man, he's the one with that helmet. And she's the one that's wearing that cool suit on the Dune planet. And it's like you get to meet you in real life. And you guys really first off are amazingly talented and you're all very different. It's kind of like the X-Men, but you're all in Star Set. So, like, I think it's amazing branding for... Um, you know, I know, let me guess, like Dustin and Ron sat in the, and they're like, this is a great team building exercise. First off, for us, as <laughs> but also if we can interact directly with our populace and our, and our main high echelon fans, it's going to help build that experience with the end user. So it's crazy because like those guys are kind of like my Facebook feed anticipating what I'm going to say. And it's like, how did they know I wanted the George Foreman grill? You guys are like that. And I think it's by walking <laughs> around talking to your guests, you're like VIP. You're like, no, this is going to be data collection. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, as for anyone that listened to Ron's recent episodes. That was that was basically the theme of it is like, you know, he he is very much a data guy. But, yeah, you know, beyond that, like like he mentioned and we've all, you know, we all have mentioned it's, you know, it was an experiment coming out of a pandemic where, you know, you have the choice of are we just going to wait until someone else says that we can perform or are we going to like, you yeah, know, take basically the no, the
1: no promoters or you know, agents were taking risks on booking tours. So they were just telling us to stay home and and we didn't want to do that. So we did it the first time and it worked so well that we did it again.
0: Yeah. Because people
1: love it. Like, because bands don't do it. Bands don't do intimate concerts where they actually hang out. That, you know, they'll do, sure, they'll do intimate concerts and then peace out, you know, but but it's not like a meet and greet. It's like usually you get a photo and then that's it. But we actually hang out, and it's a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, it's, it's definitely like a party unique, band. And, it, and it fits well in with with the relationship you guys have with your fans. Mm-hmm. What uh, what do you do? And now, now that you're off tour, what was what was step one when you got back? Uh, let's see. What what did I do? Well, Brock
0: is well, still building his studio, yeah. so
1: so doing a studio build out. Um, and you know, I, I you guys know that I built that desk, and um then i you know had to wire everything and that was a, a shit show
0: <laughs> well let's no, let's talk about that because i always, think this is the place to bring uh, it up because always
1: waiting on cables or custom cables and all this other stuff and uh so it's been a learning so experience what do you what
3: are you wiring up like so just what's what's the general overview what's what was the difference you know for for anyone that that knew that you were already working in the studio what's what's this upgrade involve
1: uh with the desk, uh let's see. So I, I got the new desk and uh I have the avid S three controller and so I've been patching and wiring all the uh inputs and outputs, the IO. And then uh I got I got into five hundred series equipment. So got a bunch of preamps and outboard compressors and stuff like that that I'm integrating. So uh just trying to you know route all that to the, the patch base and you know just spending too much money
2: well is this is <laughs> and, the end is the end game to like make beats
1: no <laughs> i can make beats but no that's not what i want to do with my life because <laughs> i
2: because i bought um for christmas i bought one of my little nephews um uh an apple computer and i got him a little mbox and um Already calling himself a producer, and um, he's gonna make beats. So I just feel like what you're doing seems very convoluted.
0: Well, I mean, we we talk about this a lot because you know, well,
2: are are you gonna do whole bands? Like, what's actually going on in the Brock Studios? Are you are
1: you
0: really gonna be putting an orchestra down there? What the I mean, the
1: end the end goal is to find a space, uh, you know, big enough for you know commercial space like that. Uh, for like a studio for drum recording, for instance. But no, nah, I live in the real world and getting a nice drum room is it's a hard thing to have at home, Yeah, you know, and I, I don't want to rent a commercial space and have it detached from my house. I'm more of like the the home studio kind of guy. But uh, but sure, someday, like, you know, you can convert a garage with if it's got a high enough ceiling and stuff and create a drum room. Uh, so, I mean, that's the end goal, but right now, no, it's just like a little project studio where I sub out drums. So you record those in another studio, but we can do everything else in my space.
2: Well, let me yeah. ask you this because I'm, I'm not tuning my own horn and I'm sure Corey will look at me cross-eyed, but I, I mean, I have, I have a, a, a basement studio, you know, a home studio and I have, tweaked now for 15 years multiple drum kits with every kind of mic and I and I finally have like the creme de la creme of mics and all that sort of stuff it's not a great room it has some acoustic properties but it's not a great room I built some traps or well not me Eric has built some traps for me and all of that but when I get my dr- now that I've tweaked it all out and I get my drums and I'm sitting there in my studio they sound like samples to me. I've gone to the point where I go back and I play it and Paul looks at me and goes, I guess that sounds like 1984 Van Halen. I literally feel that way with a little bit of like, you know, uh, reverb and stuff. And I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And I'm, I've am i walked into Sound City Studios before Dave Grohl uh, got rid of it. And I actually played uh, a drum set in there and, and Elton John's piano. And it's got great sound but I have to think that if you're a really good engineer at this point, that you can almost replicate virtually anything to the point of diminishing returns where it doesn't matter. So do you really need a giant drum broom is my question.
1: I mean, today's world. No, that's why I'm doing without it. But I mean, if you could, I mean, if you had the option,
3: would you?
2: Well, I mean, if I can make my dick nine inches, I absolutely absolutely
3: would. I think it's, it's a, it's a thing of flexibility too. You know, uh, you know, you can get good sounds in uh in room like yours, Ben. And I've have, I've have a similar setup now here where I'm recording in a low ceiling basement, just a, was never intended drum to be a room. Drum sounds room. sick in
2: all your records, Corey. They're it, sick, so unless you're faking it.
3: Of course I'm faking it. It's all studio magic. <laughs> um but you know, I, I can get a decent sound in what most people would look at as like not a studio. Uh but then having had the chance to work in a nice drum room like we did when we were down in Florida oh, yeah, with uh, Shannon, I see the flexibility so and the ability to, you know, that entire record I, I mixed uh, without, you know, bringing in any samples and like just being able to use the room and, and everything like that. And it's got this this natural uh, feel that I feel like you can get, you know, as with a workaround set up and using, you know, room samples and different reverb and stuff. But it's so nice to have this like uh, space that you get recording in a big drum room. Uh, You know, you don't need that for every record. If you're making like a, you know, metal record, you don't want that anyways. So you can get away with just programming drums and, you know, layering some stuff in there. But it's certainly something to be said for having the option to, because a drum room has a character that you can kind of utilize. Well, um, let me clarify.
2: I'd rather have an awesome drum room as well, but I'm saying that there's a lot of people that go, I can't do drums because I don't have, you know, a million dollars to build a drum room and like an acre of space to make it the size of Sound City Studios. Whereas it's like, if you stop limiting yourself, like I can't do it in a 10 foot by six foot room, then if you don't, if you know science and you know how to do like, you could get by almost anywhere, but I'm with you. Corey, if I could walk in and
3: record piano like in a giant room. The key is to make friends with someone who has a sick drum room and a, yeah. and a piano. Like and that's a you, you don't want an in ground pool. That's exactly. expensive. Yeah. You don't want a boat. You don't want a boat. You don't want a drum room. You don't want a pool. You want a friend.
0: That Ben would live friends. right in the middle of a neighborhood of people that have their, their own in ground pool, the boat, the drum my room. The has awesome a pool microphone. And a dog. And my exactly. dog goes and jumps in her pool. There you go. That's right. <laughs>
3: but when you are working in your project studio like what are you generally doing right now are you writing are are you are you doing stuff you know non-star set related like when how do you separate your work like that like are you you working on solo stuff are you working Uh, with other bands
1: yeah so other artists and um you know my own stuff just jamming around and uh writing and then if uh star set ever does like any kind of extra uh like what do we do we uh, like we released a trials um, acoustic thing that I did uh, in my room, at least my part of it. and you know, so it's just a little bit of everything, but mostly like you know, singer songwriter, things that you can get by um, without you know a, a big room and it, it and like we can pre-pro drums and I've got an electronic kit that uh, I do. And then obviously everything samples. But if you really want that big drum sound, then you just, you know, sub it out. Like there's a bunch of studios in Columbus that are close to me and we just rent out the space for $35 an hour, you know, (laughs) like studios aren't very expensive anymore unless you go to like, you know, I guess the hit factory or something, you know, uh, like giant studios, but there's all kinds of places with great rooms that you can record in for cheap.
3: Yeah. It's all those studios out there that have these giant like SSL consoles that they got to make their payments on. So they're like, please come in and do something. Cause yeah. no one is actually spending a thousand dollars a day to come here anymore. <laughs> yeah. But
2: there's a, there's a, the, I saw really how important an engineer is because when we went down and did, um, the Apocalypse Blues Revival record in Florida, we were working with Dave Fortman, and Dave Fortman used to have a huge, giant studio. Now he's at his house, like, in a high-rise in Miami. He's like, yeah, I mixed the entire Godsmack record in this room. And granted, it's tuned, but it's, like, a back room in his place. And he has a pretty nice SSL console for, like, the size room. It's not, like, a real-deal, full-blown SSL console. He'll tell you that. But, like, Mm -hmm. it's amazing what you can do in a home studio now. And it's one of those things where you're really, there's always workarounds, but you're truly at this point because of technology only limited by how good you are.
0: That's true. I think, and one thing I've noticed just watching you is just like the, it's mostly about your ear, I suppose. And and knowing what you want and what sounds you're looking for and what, what pieces of equipment and variety of things you can assemble to get that sound that you want, and yeah, so much of it comes down to just having that ability to hear it and envision it. That's not my talent at all. You know, I know when I don't like something or when I do like something, but knowing which pieces to put together like a puzzle to to get that final result is is my weakness, and that's what you're great at.
3: One of the coolest things I've seen uh, recently, you know, like as recently as just just a few years ago, people would say, you know, you can't mix in headphones. Like it it was like, you need your $8,000, you know, a a pair monitor. And it doesn't, you know, if you're not doing that, you're not at a high level. I recently heard an interview with uh, Zach Servini, who's done like every sick, like modern, like record that's been out with like that heavy, huge, awesome sound. He did the, uh, the latest Billy Idol EP. It's got this ridiculous, ridiculous, like, uh, trajectory and, and momentum going. And he was talking about how, you know, when the pandemic hit, he, all the studios were closed so he bought like a mac laptop a little like interface and a pair of uh i think it was it might have been sennheiser like hd 600 or something and he's mixed like a, a shitload of like huge hits on his laptop yeah. with headphones and then he'll go and check them in a studio like to dial in the low end maybe to finalize sure. them but it's it's not as prohibitive anymore it's like if you know what your monitors sound like if you listen to music in them, and you know what you want it to sound like it's crazy what you can get away yeah, with. Yeah, well now. that
1: that's the whole thing is if you have a reference. Like yeah. Uh I mean I wouldn't mix in like beats by Dre cuz that's going to lie to you with like you know cuz it's it's a hyped headphone. Yeah. So as long as you have like a somewhat flat uh, frequency headphone set up then uh you can get by with just okay, so this song is like this song. So I'm going to play a reference track and listen to it and then Basically, at that point, you can work around any kind of, you know, weaknesses that your headphones might have, you know, so you just kind of match the, the spectrum with whatever your reference track is. And I think you can easily mix in headphones. I think a lot of people do mix in headphones. Sometimes they have to mix in headphones because their room sucks.
2: Well, don't you think yeah. that that's been a big opportunity for headphones? Because, I mean, the truth is... <laughs> yeah, they're like, killing it. Well, I mean, you, you could spend you could spend $100,000 on, on reference speakers, but, like, I mean, I have $2,000 um, AKGs here. And, like, what more do you expect sound to do in your head than these fucking <laughs> yeah. headphones? So it's, like, one of those things where it's... it's you can actually, I, I guess on paper get higher quality sound for less money with by buying headphones but it's just you know using them as a reference but for years people used NS10s from Yamaha which were supposed to be shitty sounding speakers and the whole thought process is if you can get them sounding good on that then you get them sounding good on every anything. I'm wearing these Sony um, noise cancelling headphones which by the way like the entire market seems to think that these are like some of the best headphones period and one of the things I think is crazy is because of the noise cancellation when you put them on it's like whew. And you get no outside ambient noise, which all these headphones like—that's a huge thing. Because if you're getting ambient noise, you know Siobhan's doing her hair in the background. That will add, you know, why is the bass so fucked up in this mix? Siobhan, how to have a fucking gig in her hair? But now, like, I don't even know if someone's being murdered in the room next to me. So I have to surmise that the well, sound staging sound great. on this thing—that's all that matters. Yeah, my mixes are perfect. I'm just sitting there, like, whatever. I'm like listening to like violins, and then the next room there's like, a bloody murder going. On. I'm like. It's great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but also, it should be said that if you uh, don't know what you're doing, it doesn't matter what you're listening in anyways. So you had kind of... Yeah. to right be able to make that, you know, correlation of like, I know what I'm listening for in these things here.
2: But that's the limit where it's, you're the limit. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. You're the, the first line of defense, but now you can't blame technology. Like a painter can't blame his paints. You can't be like, well, of course I don't have an SSL fucking board in a room at sound city studios because there's that dude that was in his bedroom, like Tom Schultz from fucking Boston. That's like, here's my record. And you're like, this sounds better than anything I've ever heard. I made it in my closet.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, actually, a sometimes
1: funny, that's the vibe you need.
0: Well, I was going to say a funny story about this. And this was probably a year and a half or two years ago. I can't remember, but I, uh, there, there's a singer that I work with here in Miami and she's, um, She's sort of opera crossover. And mostly what I do is like I'll play strings for her or I'll, you know, help get an ensemble together, like a little bit of musical director type stuff, work on arrangements. And uh, one day she's like, oh, you know, I'm going to record this song, but I'm probably going to send it to some DJs and like have them remix it. So it's just kind of like a demo, you know, and she's like, well, let's let me come to your studio and like we'll just record it. And I'm thinking, "Okay, well, like I'm not really an engineer, but, you know, I've got like a U87 and like some some nice microphones. And I had this little Apogee like travel, Apogee Duet. That was my interface. I had, what, HS5 monitors. Like, no, no, not, no studio, basically, right? Just like a little home project studio. That's
2: all you need. No, that's actually a studio. Like, I think that's great. What? That's, that's true, all you fucking but you,
0: need. But coming back to having the talent to do it, <laughs> which I do not, <laughs> I ended up recording her vocals and I'm thinking, oh, this is just going to be some sort of demo. And I did the best I could with like what I knew about um, engineering. And then she's like, oh, well, uh, Brock is is a mix engineer, right? Like he can mix this. And when I gave him the stuff that I recorded, I think he was about to lose his mind because he's like, "What am I going to do with this? How am I going to make this work?" I'm sure there were tons of mistakes that I there made. Part, you know? There
1: was times when she was like peeking the preamp, and like it's just like clipping out because it's a it's a digital preamp, and it's just like <laughs> it's just all the way, just cutting off the top of the transient, and like so obviously those takes you can't use, but um i mean it it worked she ended up using them but i use i isotope rx the shit i was just gonna say shout out to isotope
3: <laughs> yeah i
1: cleaned up everything i mean first of all that those programs the rx programs are amazing they're magic like that's literally the reason you can do anything at home now you don't need all this big fancy but, studio but stuff
2: but let's be real if you if Siobhan knew what she was doing. Let's say your brain was inside Siobhan's brain or her body at that moment in time. You could make those vocals sound fucking amazing because like there's guys oh, yeah, they, like Rihanna's going on tour, been... Chris Brown goes yeah. on tour and they take like a fucking awesome preamp or whatever and they're on their fucking bus recording vocals and it's a number one single like two weeks later because oh, things are sure. real fast. So no, there's the no reason why you can't
0: the- use those... The equipment was not a limiting factor, and that's not what I was saying. It was, yeah, It's entirely to say that with the right knowledge and the right ear, you know, just to set up how somebody records. And, you know, I can do stuff without messing it up, but is it the ideal situation? Do I know whether to add compression to this or EQ? Like, no, that's definitely his forte. But he took what I did and then managed to mix it mostly on headphones sitting in this same apartment because I didn't have suitable monitors or a suitable room and did like a killer mix and it actually made it to billboard for a week like the song yeah like billboard top uh um i'll find the exact chart but but i was like shocked because like it started as this tiny thing that it's like i thought it was just going to be a pre-pro
1: demo demo yeah
0: and you know me already being a bit insecure of recording other people i've gotten pretty good at recording myself but you know so So starting with that engineer
2: your engineering training wheels
0: oh yeah absolutely and i've gotten way better i try to teach her stuff all the time gotten way better and especially with my own instrument it's one thing but i'm not a vocalist i've never been a vocalist i've never recorded vocalists you know can i tell you two and, things
2: one yeah. one don't ever record the compression if you don't know what you're doing in the first place straight to like you can always add a compressor afterwards and that's fine
0: right and, and i didn't two, yeah
2: and then and then two uh it doesn't need to come even close to peaking as long as you're not getting tons of noise like don't it, have them yell and make sure it doesn't peak
1: yeah and
2: and, and then and then you're good and then and then Brock could do whatever he wants
0: right no absolutely and I actually I did know those things going into it but the funny thing and I had you know very minimal experience ever recording anything but the one thing I did notice that I assume everybody here encounters is you tell someone to test their mic and it's like okay do it really loud and then the second it yeah and then it comes to performance time. And then time. they sing and they're like,
1: "Yeah!" <laughs> but then like, I love scream.
0: When you're in a little project studio and someone's listening through their takes, and if you've set it so that you're not even close to peaking, they're like, "Oh, why is it so quiet? Why does that wave look so small?" You know, and it's it's a little bit hard them, sometimes.
2: What the, what the fuck do you know? Well, if you're an engineer, you'd be doing this your fuck <laughs> Stop staring at my computer. It's none of your fucking business.
0: But I have been subjected to some pressure of like turning up the preamp by people that I've worked with. It's like, oh, well, I want this to like seem like it's louder or something. And that's where well, the there's a button comes in. on
2: what you need to learn is there's a button that can actually make your transients look bigger to people. You just go. Right.
0: Like, oh! Well, I know that now. I know that now. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, from start to finish, you know, not the most ideal situation recording in a, a pretty terrible room with minimal equipment and then somehow turning it into something that's now on Spotify and sounds great on like all different systems, yeah, and
3: that experience is better than four years of audio school. I promise you, uh-huh. <laughs> you, you probably well, that's, learned more that's lessons the irony. that you'll never you'll never make those mistakes again. You'll always consider that in the back of your mind, and that's you know you can read a hundred books, but that's the best way to learn it.
0: Well, and on top of that, too, just like you know, not that I necessarily should have said yes, knowing where it was going, but if I hadn't, I, none of that would have happened. You know, so I think there was a, a lesson to be learned there of just like you know sometimes the situation won't be ideal and you won't have what you need but you do it and you find a way to make it work you know
1: yeah i would just say like once the audio's in the computer there's nothing you can't do in the computer um but on the way into the computer i think is where the money needs to be spent so like you know if you want outboard gear or like fancy preamps and microphones, you know, that's where you spend the money. Once it's in the computer, I mean, there's, you can do anything you want in today's world, in my opinion.
2: It, well, that's the thing. I mean, that's why I always say Kemper and, and fractals are so fucking awesome is because, you know, get it, hearing an awesome amp, you know, like in your house and, and getting that to sound like how you're hearing it in your house um, is a work of, it, it's an it requires artistry and understanding science. Whereas like you plug into um, a a Kemper or a Fractal, it's like plugging into a keyboard where basically all you need to do is make sure the volume isn't peaking, Siobhan. And then it's like, (laughs) perfect. It sounds like Van Halen. Perfect. It sounds like a grand piano. And it's perfect every time with no noise. And that's one of those things that we're getting to a point where technology is so good that really it's just about, does it sound good to the end user? Because yeah. you, there's no reason why you can't get good sounds now. They're really, I mean, and there's diminishing returns. Like, of course, if I use a Dumble amp with, you know, a U87 with a bunch of cabs and then there's a an SM57s and they're all in phase and like I can make it sound better than my Michael Britt, uh, you know, amp simulator inside of my Kemper but no one almost no one's gonna notice and there were what you need to do to get that is crazy so there's no excuse and 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 siobhan what i was saying to you is uh, it's you keep downplaying you barely had a studio and you had a bad room doesn't matter that you have a bad room and you had more than you needed for a studio your bottlenecking was you because you and you (laughs) have this great guy right here who fixed it all which also shows that isotope even if you don't know what you're doing you kind of still can make a billboard hit like so it's really limited again by you. It's not the shitty a, room. It's 100%. just it's the person who doesn't know I am what they're 100% doing. I'm hundred
0: percent on board with you, and I try. I mean, I really try to be as interested as I can in getting better, and I am way better than I used to be. But it's it's pretty amazing how bad you can be.
2: with all Do your you ever stuff. think that Corey would go to like Shannon Larkin <laughs> and say it's because we have a shitty room?
0: No, of, of course. I mean, no. What do you ever use like it as with an excuse? Talent, you can make yeah. Of He'd course, not. He'd figure it
2: out. You'd never tell him that. No, but
0: if you have but if you have the skill and you have the knowledge of how to work around that, that's different. But if you know that you have a bad room and you also have no knowledge of how to fix that problem, then you're really screwed.
3: <laughs> yeah. But I will just so. work working in bad rooms uh, you know, most of my life, I will say that it's it's great now that sometimes I get to work in nice rooms cuz yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. the uh the just the the things you learn from having to you know fix mistakes or like salvage things are like some of the best lessons so that when you get like you know good tracks you get good source material and you just go like holy shit, this is like i'm just going to add a little bit of eq here and it's like perfect it's like instead of like mm-hmm. you know a million little notches i remember i think i think it was um like one of the justin bieber tracks the guitar part the main lick or something was recorded by like ed sheeran on a tour bus and I, I read a uh, an article with with the mix engineer. and I don't remember who it was uh, exactly, but he it, it talked about how like his EQ, he had like four or five like notches that were like you know minus thirty dB to get rid of like these weird ringing frequencies. But then you have like you know this multi platinum record that no one would ever know was recorded, you know probably like with a couple of beers in the back of a tour bus, and it's just. Yeah knowing how to all those little lessons how to fix things is super important and it 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 gets you the the, you know the higher quality stuff makes it that much better
1: you got to turn the engine off on a tour bus though because it's just like
3: Ah, just just high pass it (laughs) 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 that's what i do to siobhan's audio when we record when we you guys (laughs) do the bus podcast. oh i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure yeah i I, I have my sub on i'm like editing the podcast with my sub on and it's just (laughs)
0: Oh. <laughs> like, warm, like, it's, like, it's like a movie trailer in my studio.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, so, you know, going back to the original question of what are we doing? So all of these experiences have informed the new build out of this studio. And it's at, like as an outsider, it's pretty amazing to watch the difference between kind of a sort of project studio and one that you actually intend to record other people and incorporating patch bays and stuff that I didn't even know about, and patch cables and d b twenty five cables and building a desk that doesn't have any reflection or whatever, you know, so it's well, it's a pretty massive exist, but... overhaul. He's making a joke about <laughs> another thing I don't know about, okay,
3: frequency cancellation off the desk, so I'm talking about <laughs> right, that. Right. yeah, right no, I think I tried uh, to
1: minimize it. I didn't get rid of it. <laughs>
3: yeah there's it's it's a black hole of of uh, you know things to consider when you're building a studio when you're doing things when you're buying gear you know gear gear acquisition syndrome is is a very yep. very dangerous thing and it sounds like you're getting into it with like the 500 series stuff um i i I'm hesitant to to get too deep into that because I'm kind of going through the same thing myself. Uh, except I'm not using 500 series things because I figure that limits me to only the rack space I have available. And if I get a 500 series, I'll get 20 more pieces of gear, uh, and it'll be you know by 500 yeah. series for our, yeah, for our that's listeners the and dangerous viewers. Thing. That just uh, if anyone's ever seen like a rack, you know it's these long pieces pieces of gear like this that go and you, you see them stacked in a studio. 500 series are like uh, basically like miniature versions. Of th- those pieces of gear, so you can fit more uh, into a smaller space. Therefore, you can spend a lot more money <laughs> and and
1: fill your studio. But with then more it's things. also it's also kind of like you can travel with it. Yeah, you know, like you can bring your entire in like input rig anywhere you go. That's why I went five hundred series. Oh, all right,
3: now you've made me justify it. I'm going to buy some five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so with with that you know you you got the studio that you're building and uh you know that's probably going to be an ongoing process i imagine you know for the foreseeable future uh aside from that you know when you get back from tour like how are you spending your days uh
1: yeah just like different like little I'm i'm a hobbyist so i do a little bit of everything man like i don't and it changes all the time uh so what it's usually in between mostly audio stuff uh usually when i get home from tour i have a couple days of uh being a total piece of shit and not getting off my couch and you know playing video games or going to all my favorite food spots you know but uh and seeing friends but uh yeah just like uh whether it's you know some kind of audio stuff woodworking i just actually uh me and my, my 91 ninety one ninety one year old grandpa just went and we bought a new table saw for our uh, our wood shop. Pretty excited about it because it's like a like a real big boy table saw.
2: You should totally check out my buddy and, and and Corey met him back in the day. He had a crazy idea for a television show that just wasn't going to work. But his name is uh, to, it's he has a show called Woodworking with Tommy Mac, and he replaced Bob Vila. Um, and he. He's like one of my friends. I met him years ago as a salesperson for, for Circuit City. He was a dick. He treated. He drove me nuts. But I was so like meticulous with him. He came in the next day with Cuban cigars to thank me for like not like <laughs> punching him in the face, even though he's bigger than me. Um, and he's one of the greatest builders ever. In fact, they did a discovery show on him where he went into RISD, uh, the Rhode Island Institute, mm-hmm. to go get this like $20 million for uh 14 or 15 foot tall cabinet that, like, nobody believed that any artisan could, like, make something of this caliber anymore. And he recreated it, just like took it apart and, like, recreated this fucking thing. He can build anything and he teaches how to build. Like, I actually, uh, it, it's so sad, but underneath, like, over here in my house, I have a babinga. Um, he made this. It's beautiful. It's There's no glue or anything. It's all with like joints and it's, it's insane how it is, but it's a, a giant babinga bench and I have just a bunch of boxes and shit on it because I'm, I'm, I'm a hoarder and I have no space for anything. <laughs> but like go look up Woodworking with Tommy Mac and you'll love that guy because he just is like, here Brock, here's how you build anything you want to fucking do and I guarantee that you'll <laughs> know how to do it, especially with a table saw
1: yeah I mean I'm I'm learning stuff every day I I'm, believe in you, know, you man I'll definitely check that guy out
0: yeah We're working we'll have with to send a, a, a picture of the desk so that you can I, I don't know if it's too late to put it in the show but you can show it off so I've got videos of you making it and all that stuff so that's it that's been together. Brock's main project it was, yeah it, was,
1: it took way too long mainly because I didn't have the tools that I needed to do it you know so you always have to have a workaround
2: so. you should put spalt maple veneer over the whole top <laughs> what is no. that <laughs> just make to make it look like it's live like wood no
3: yeah yeah just one with more the, thing uh, just
2: cut a two millimeter uh, piece of wood and put it over the entire
3: top is what i'm asking him to do i think you should do contact yeah. paper
1: contact paper
3: <laughs> <laughs> give it a real classy look uh with all the woodworking and the music and all the, all the things that kind of come together have you ever thought about uh, doing any like guitar building no no. <laughs> that's, I don't that's about a hard, that too. No.
1: I got a buddy that builds guitars and like and he's a really good luthier. Um but it's too there's too much mathematics involved of like and and I'm too much of a perfectionist so like I just think it would go horribly south uh real quick cuz you know I'd want it to have that RG Wizard neck type action and you know, I would never make anything that straight. <laughs> but,
0: Somehow you made a yeah. desk, so I don't know about that. but No, but, but he's totally right.
2: Because if you go up like these compound radius fretboards, like, do you know what a compound radius is? It's because if you start down here, it might be like three inches around. And up here, it's like two inches and three eighths. And like it does ace an asymmetrical or even not as, uh, a- or asymmetrical. asymmetrical asymmetrical asymmetrical, symmetrical uh, kind of carve so you can get that feel so when you get up here it's a little bit more buttery than down here where it's like the big cowboy chords and it's a you know and are you going to do a 25-5 scale radius or like a 27 baritone scale radius or keep it like are we doing 24 frets it's way too many mathematics to get it perfect and then it's like but do you get tr- true temperament frets because that mathematically means it's always in tune or do you get the everton bridge which looks disgusting but works perfectly but then it's I'd rather someone else do it,
0: yeah, well, speaking of evertune you did Yeah, just, just get got a some, couple of those, yeah, they work awesome uh,
1: yeah the uh so I got home from tour and was able to pick them up from uh the shipping uh place because uh, they came in while I was out on the road, but basically, I hit up evertune saying I was interested in their their stuff and their one of the reps got back to me and uh they said, hey, man, like we'd love to you know work with you so I sent them two guitars and, and they sent them back. And I mean, it's, it's a pretty incredible piece of engineering (laughs) and it's pretty awesome. And like, everybody's like, yeah, but you can't bend. I'm like, bending so easy. You just like, you pop your tuner peg up to the right below the threshold. So then when you bend, you can get your bends in and then pop it back down and you're perfectly in tune.
3: For, uh, for our our listeners and viewers, can you just give a quick, uh, summary of what an Evertune system is?
1: Okay. So an Evertune, basically, I I tune low. That's why I wanted to use one. Um, So when I get to my really low tuning, the strings are very slappy. So they go sharp a lot um, because they're so loose uh, for the low tunings. So basically, if you get an Evertune, what it does is it will adjust the tension of the string so it doesn't go sharp it keeps the same tension whether you're bending the string and adding tension to it it'll relieve the the saddle and basically keep that guitar in tune so you can't so if you're jumping around on stage you can't pull chords out of tune um if you're tuning low it'll help with you know the that low octave down e string going sharp (laughs)
2: Well, that's um, one of the things I've been saying forever. So, I, one of the reasons I love my um, my bucket head baritone guitar is it's a twenty seven inch scale, which is humongous. But then when I play stuff, it's like ah, so in tune. My hands are like this, huh? But the EverTune bridges, I mean, it's so for me, it's kind of like ha- like someone like smiling with braces. I don't like the look of it because I like vintage guitars. But then again, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've recorded, and I'm like. Ugh, because especially when you're like playing a six string guitar, like people get eight strings, guitars cause they're like set up for that. Like I just say tune down lower. But when you use different gauge strings and all that, the tension does become a problem. And even with our my buddy Hector, he's playing bass over in Mexico. He had to detune his guitar, his bass guitar string. And he was going sharp all over the place because he was digging in. And I had to melodyne that whole fucking track because, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And there's nothing you could do about it on a normal bass. So that's. Such an incredible invention and I, I will not shit on it. I think it's incredible and I and I think I want all my guitars to have it.
1: Yeah. I agree. I'm I'm more like uh you know, if I had to choose, I would choose to play live without an Evertune in the studio. Like if you're just doing rhythm guitars, just throw an Evertune on it and then you don't have to worry about it. Everything's perfectly in tune for the recording. Um if you want that music musical vibe though you can't use an EverTune, like that that perfect imperfection of being like a true player like that's what it would take away um so certain things like you wouldn't play jazz with an EverTune. you wouldn't play a lot of you know even some like proggy stuff if there's a lot of lead stuff you wouldn't use an EverTune, uh at least on those strings are uh, you
2: saying don't hate the player hate the EverTune?
1: <laughs> well sometimes if they use an the Evertune I guess but, <laughs> but I mean they're they're great in so many ways I, I put them on my super low tuned guitars because that's, that's a struggle that I've had live is you know just slappy strings and I, I use so I usually used uh, on my low string on my 7 string I use an 80 gauge that's like what uh, that'd be like the second string on a bass or maybe the third. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not a bass player, um, but I one it on Way TV. too big. Yeah, <laughs> it's way too big of a string. That's wild. You know? So it, it kind of makes it, go, it and it
2: it goes through your nut. Play. Did you have to adjust the nut on it to even get that thing to go through? Oh yeah. That's a that's a yeah, fucking you gotta, huge string. Like yeah. so, for people that don't know, there's a there's a nut which is a little piece of plastic or whatever that bone at the top where the string has to lie there and an 80 is so thick that it'll just go and fall off because it won't go into the groove so like you have to go and like shimmy that shit so that 80 goes on that guitar even though it's a seven string in fact just be a man get an eight string or just get a bass or a chapman stick
1: i was going to get an eight string but i'm a prs artist and their eight string is fourteen thousand (laughs) dollars so i said nah i'll get the seven string thanks
0: (laughs) because the only strings. one they have is
1: like a custom <laughs> or a, a private stock uh eight string and it's like 14 grand
3: i think it's time for the brock richards signature eight string guitars what what you're saying yeah. right yeah. Right. Also, right. I don't would you, I have, if you big have enough
1: a... hands for it <laughs> for an eight string
2: but hold on but let me ask you this if you had your own signature guitar would it be an eight string
1: no
0: how many would, strings would it have six right answer Okay, elaborate (laughs) (laughs) i mean
1: i like i love seven string guitars they're great but i I don't i just love the neck of a six string
2: well dude listen uh, my feeling is and you know i sound like an old curmudgeon but like if you can't play like steve i on six strings you don't need a seventh just tune that shit down (laughs) <laughs> like, that's literally what it is. Like, you don't need more strings. Like, you just need to tune your guitar down and practice a lot more. And then people who have eight strings, it's like, okay, Tosin bossy. Proven. You should have eight strings because you're a fucking asshole. Like you play the bass part. You don't actually even need anybody else on stage. You're like the Ed Sheeran of metal. Like you should get rid of everybody. You should just be hitting it and tapping it as you're playing. You don't need a drummer. But that's Tosin (laughs) Abasi. That's not us fucking idiots that barely can play Mary Had a Little Lamb on a six string. What you want, and this is what I would do if I was going to make the Brock Richards. Like if I didn't know you but I was a luthier, I'd make like a 27 inch scale, 24 fret Nice, thin and happy six string, but like long with big ass fucking frets so that you could play down here with your big giant six foot nine hands that you have and play that C <laughs> and it's That's always really going to be completely, completely in tune. And you could still use like a, a 65 string on it, but it'll, it's long enough where it's going to pull it where you have some fucking tension, yeah. which is why you could have a tremolo bridge on that shit.
1: I mean, that'd be awesome. The tremolo bridge is probably my favorite gun. For sure,
2: yeah. You could get a tremolo bridge that doesn't that doesn't have to yeah that doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a Floyd Rose or whatever, and it actually stays in tune. And those guitars exist. You've won. Like so, if you if yeah. I could get my own model, I'd have a tremolo. People are like what if you bend it's just gonna no tell them to figure out how to make it where if I stretch my strings it doesn't go out of tune because those bridges exist.
1: I just I just need you to go to bat for me. That's right. Like this is what Brock wants. Yeah,
2: well, I, I, but you have to tell him it's somebody else because Paul Reed Smith personally has it out against me. And Bev, even though she loves me, I love Beverly. He just has like a restraining order
3: against you. That's
2: yeah. <laughs> she, she, she's like the buffer to Andrea, which is his assistant. And I'm, and they're like, oh, this is a great idea, and then they're like, oh, it came from the neurotic guitarist. Paul's not going to like this. <laughs> so just tell tell them you just have a friend, and I'll talk like the guy on Inspector Gadget. You'll Richard get a voice changer. Her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put me in all the dark like, like you know what I mean like I'm on like one of those drug shows where like they can't like sell <laughs> <also> crystal meth <laughs> so when are you guys going next on tour like I mean like what's the next steps Europe. for you guys I'm sorry Corey did you uh, have a better noth- question than that we could you start my question
3: that's a great question Ben we'll stick with yours
1: uh nothing until uh the end of February
3: we go to Europe
0: yeah Europe which has been rescheduled now I think for the third time because of COVID so um yeah, it's it's been a few times coming.
1: Yeah, we haven't been in like, what, 2019? Yeah,
0: the, before the pandemic. Yeah. How do you guys do in Europe? Do
1: people like you over there?
3: Yeah, we do pretty well um no i asked because mean, like, what, europe, what if like, they said no it's like actually they fucking hate us well you no know, because yeah. there's bands like van Just halen never did well
2: never yeah. did well in europe they weren't a european band they're a huge american band even aerosmith is more of a huge american band than they are in europe like they it'd be much smaller places but some people are way bigger in europe like tremonti and Alterbridge go to europe and play fucking huge cedars whereas here they play you know house of blues it's it's a different world out in europe
0: yeah, I would say. I mean, I think across the board, we do very well in Europe, um, and in some cases, I think even better there than we do here. Um, and it's interesting. Certain markets, certain, certain markets. Yeah, certain countries. Um, you know, makes me wonder like where? what are the elements like Belgium, likes like yeah, Germ- you guys more.
1: Germany, Germany's great.
0: Germany, Italy, some of the eastern, like Italy's we did, good. Yeah, Poland, um, I think, or Czech Republic, I think they all are. Yeah. really intense about it. Um, we always
1: Switzerland, did- not so good. Those are usually. Uh,
0: Smaller shows. Yeah. But I mean, especially like when we would go to Russia, which unfortunately, we're not going for various reasons this time. Um, but yeah, Russia, we always did really well. And and years ago, you know, I mean, when we our most recent headline tour, which, you know, of course, everything is affected by COVID. But, you know, we're playing ha- headlining House of Blues type venues. But years ago in Russia and Moscow, we played, I think, to three or four thousand people with no support act.
3: You guys are in Miami right now, right?
0: Miami. We are. Yeah.
3: How long are you guys hanging there for before you get back to the the studio build? Basically, Uh, like, about a week and a half, Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: So, not too long. It's, you know, it's a lot of back and forth. I mean, sort of switching over to my experience after tour, it's like I generally come straight back here, you know, spend a few days, but then it's kind of back to, you know, my other life of various orchestra concerts and private events and working with other artists and stuff, so... So yeah, I mean, Brock was getting his studio built out and kind of got everything set up, and then he came I still down. Still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, and I'm putting him to work Even as with my like sound the, guy. The this
1: company week. of it, I'm not. I'm not really a business kind of person, if that makes sense. I'm a hands-on. Like I use, you know, businesses. That's what I got Siobhan for. She's gonna, she's gonna handle that for I'm me. I'm the talker. <laughs> He's the one
0: that does the technical stuff. <laughs> I so, like the
1: nerd out. You know. Yeah. Anything I that I can nerd out into.
2: Well, I mean, yeah. fortunately, but. you may say that you're inept at business, but like, I mean, Corey and I are staving off destitution, usually month by month. <laughs> I mean, Facebook Marketplace has been a really, really good recourse of me selling some of my hoarding stuff so that I can pay my mortgage and not not have to work at Dunkin' Donuts. So, uh, sorry, guys. I know you may not be a business dude, but like, I, it seems like with those focals that are, are worth more than my car, um, you're doing all right. that's called business savvy or acumen
1: maybe i just don't like it how about that i don't like business (laughs) first of all i'm too nice for business and i know that so i usually just
0: it's it's hard yeah it's stepped on (laughs) I i mean we all know here music is a hard industry and it's like you're always having to make choices of like you know how to conduct your business how to deal with people who you want to deal with how to build something what to invest in i'm more like do i pay my
2: electric bill or my gas bill
3: (laughs) 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 well anything with music and and you know audio and all those things there's no um there's no like general price chart for how you how you you know get compensated or what you charge and Mm -hmm. that that can be a scary thing especially, you know, once you get a little bit of, uh, you know, reputation and experience and like a portfolio, it's, it's a little easier, but like to, to go to someone and say, give me money to do something that I like to do, please. Uh, it's, it's really tricky. I mainly
1: mean like, you know, uh, like filing, you know, for your, your tax ID number and your website and web design and logos and, you know, whatever else
0: promoting yourself promoting it and getting
1: yeah yeah, that's not me look at my instagram like (laughs) i live my life i i don't i don't get on my phone and i don't you know so that's always hard for me mainly because i don't enjoy doing it i would rather do you need to get
3: an intern is is what you need
1: yeah (laughs) yeah Siobhan, what are you doing?
0: That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm the intern. I'm my intern. We're each other's interns. That's yeah, here's,
2: a, here's, here's the sad part is I work on my uh, social media every day. And I feel vapid. I feel self-centered. Um, it makes me feel sad inside because I feel like Britney Spears a little bit where I'm just dancing for nobody in the same room every day wearing <laughs> yellow, which supposedly means help. But I know exactly what happy. you're talking about. She, there's like chanting music on in the background, but it says original audio, but it's like Anya, Like, that's how I feel every <laughs> single day, man. So like I when I sign on for like go live on Instagram or Facebook, I'll be sitting there for three minutes and there'll be like two people watching me and they just sign off. You could not have signed on to your connection for three years. And if you go to live, I guarantee you right now, like Brock Richards goes live on Instagram. You'll have like 300 people watching you. So that's the important part is that people give a fuck doesn't matter how bad you are. They care about you. Try having no one care about you, Brock. No one cares about me.
0: But it's it's an interesting discussion because like I think about when I and I don't really do TikTok at all. I don't even know how to make a TikTok. I've tried. I can't figure it out. But, you know, I a lot of the kids, kids, you know, like in their 20s or whatever it's like I see it's like they're doing these videos every day. And I'm sort of looking at this and thinking, okay, here I am. I'm a musician and I'm trying I'm building a product of some sort. And, you know, I I sometimes feel the pressure that I should be doing stuff like that, too. But sometimes I look at it and I'm like, but now you're sort of chained into this life of having to constantly crank out videos and crank out short form stuff that people are just maybe watching five seconds, 10 seconds. And at what point does that do you turn into an online entertainer forever? Yeah, it's a separate
3: It's a separate gig uh, to be right. a content creator. Um, right. You know, that's that's well, something that's that I've don't always, understand like, I, I-, I used to uh, like take time to like make, you know, just content for even Instagram things, make some videos. I had a blast doing it, but it took a lot of fucking time and it, it, and it would be like, you know, you get that little like dopamine hit, like, oh my God, like, oh, everyone likes it. It's great. And it's like, well, all right, well now I need to make another one if I want, and that's another like, you know, week's worth of work, or I could have clients come in, I could work with people, or I could play gigs, or I could do the things that I, I like to do anyways. And it's like, not that internet broadcasting yourself clout, but you know, that's what I want to do. So it's, yeah. it's weird to have that, like, if you want to do it that way. And then then you see the people that do both and you're like, fuck them. What do they have, like, unlimited motivation? Like, I don't understand that. But.
2: <laughs> well, that's what I'm yeah. confused by, Corey. Because, like, with Britney Spears, like, I, was al- I always was informed, don't do for free what you get paid to do. But then she's dancing in front of her camera every day and kind of singing along with Nine Inch Nails. And I'm like, but why are you doing that for free? And she just does it every day and does the same thing. I don't know if she should be a role
3: model for you, Ben, but I think
0: <laughs> that... Well, well here's a crazy <laughs> she, thing, dude. She's so a listen. different study, though, but go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well,
2: so have you guys seen the, the Netflix documentary, like, about Britney Spears, like with her conservatorship and all of that.
0: I saw, I watched part of it. I didn't finish it, but it's a, it's
2: amazing because like she was literally a slave. Like she wasn't allowed to do anything. She was a and slave all for you. She said that she was, that, that she was crazy. I'm talking, I'm talking about she couldn't make phone calls. Her dad would have to legally mandate her to be home by nine o'clock and the police would go collect her during her height of her fame. She made no decisions for herself and everyone was like free Britney. And I watched this documentary and I'm like, Holy shit! This is the most scary, hell, crazy science fiction movie that's actually happening to somebody. And then now you go onto her Instagram; she's genuinely gone out of her mind. And you're like, "Holy shit! Maybe her dad should start a conservatorship and make her a slave again because she's doing some crazy. She's just like bicycling around in her underwear around the neighborhood. Like she's got like makeup problems. Like she I don't know how she ever danced professionally because it's what, bro. She needs, it's crazy. My whole life has changed because of that. I just want you to know. Go go watch Britney Spears and read the comments. And I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm saying like, it's like watching the most insane car crash I've ever seen in my life.
3: I don't know how we uh, ended up here, but the show's yeah. over. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, what
1: did we get from this podcast? We got, <laughs> we need to help Britney.
0: <laughs> well, I think we need to trust that Britney as a free person May or may not be crazy. We cannot say for sure because we can't be in her head. She is doing some wild dances on Instagram. No, her teeth are receding. I've noticed this in a lot of the comments. I'm more concerned about your involvement in Britney Spears' Instagram than her actual Instagram. I wasn't involved
2: until I I saw what was going on and then I became concerned. And then I started reading the comments and then I was completely enthralled. And I can't help but just, because I watched that thing and I for a very long time said, shame in all these people that have been in Britney Spears' life life, and have taken away these liberties that should be given to anybody. And now I've gone on to her page and I'm like, what drugs are, is she literally on? And holy shit, because her husband's posting completely normal pictures every day. I'm confused. Well, we'll,
0: we'll never know because once again, Instagram and TikTok are not reality and every person is different in that regard. I don't know. It's, Why her videos all in the same room, Siobhan? I don't know. It's a good question. We should have a whole episode on Britney Spears. We can have a panel discussion about it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're uh, if you're listening or watching this, why don't you comment below on how fascinating this topic is right now? And if no,
2: uh, no, Corey, <laughs> I fucking shit you not. Just do me a favor for the next 2020. Go on Britney Spears page for 10 minutes today and just go, just walk around, watch around, just go through a few posts and read anything and watch what she's doing and tell me that this is not legitimately mystifying.
3: I'll, I'll consider doing that at some point. Uh, <laughs> but right now, I need to get ready for a gig, so I think we got to yes. wrap this up. All right. Brock, thank you, as always, for being an unwilling <laughs> participant in our podcast. It's, yeah, it's dude. my pleasure. I'm, I'm here to waste everybody's time.
1: It's, it's all good. Just <laughs> Brock, let me know when I can waste more people's time. I
0: will close out the episode by saying that Brock looked at me today and said, I'm helping you out. I need to eat before this episode. And we I like had to order Uber Eats like right away because I'm like, oh my gosh, we haven't eaten yet today. And Brock is going to be grumpy if we don't eat. So
1: <laughs> well, she made she made me go to the gym. I was hungry after I got out of the gym.
0: I know how to cook, but way. I don't know how to keep groceries in my fridge. So that's the bigger problem. Yeah. Sort of with, like my audio problems. except I was just I,
1: trying to feed us.
3: Okay. Go with uh, that's right. go with HelloFresh that's, Hello that's my plug or any all of those right. other things. I like those because they just send you the exact ingredients you need and you don't have to buy all these things you throw away at some point. Perfect.
2: Dude, three, bur- three burritos <laughs> for 99
3: cents in the freezer and one of those burritos is enough. All right. <laughs> that too uh guys ch- check out starsetonline.com for the uh the upcoming tour dates in europe and uh brock anything else you want to let people know about
1: uh no
0: no this, I mean, but not, stay tuned for his studio yeah. build out we're gonna hopefully get yeah, their trying business to get going, up and going
3: any thoughts on the ukraine conflict you want to pump in before yeah. we do no, um <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we appreciate your time man and uh we will uh, we'll talk to you guys soon thank you as always for checking out this episode of 2020 please visit 2020-d.com like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes this week's throwback clip is from episode number 66 featuring john denay of anthrax and shadows fall check it out these legends, like the, the first few days of Ossess, I was having amp problems. And I just kept fucking blowing my amps for some reason. I don't know why. Nobody could figure it out. And even all the tech, like, Ari Manning's like, I don't even want to plug in my shit after watching you. Like, they're afraid to <laughs> use the power. Yeah. And uh, so I was having problems. And, and uh, Zach Wilde was just like, hey, man, you can use my stuff
0: if you need to. I'll,
3: Whoa, So <laughs> I did a couple of gigs on Zach Wild's uh, rig. Just, you know, insane. Uh,
2: I mean, if you told me that when I was 12, I would, there's no way I would believe that I would ever never
3: mind play through or meet him, but then be on the same stage and be able to have that chance.
1: Hello everybody. I'm Bruce.